The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of The Bird Calls, the official podcast of TheBirdRights.com. He is Ali Cosell. I am David Grubb, and we are joined today by our friend, our colleague, one of the best in the biz, Aaron Summers from the Pelicans radio broadcast, as well as online for the Saints and the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, you've seen our other places as well, but Aaron, we're always glad to have you with us here on The Bird Calls. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. We are in the thick of it, at least I am, between the Saints and the Pelicans. I know you guys are busy this week because there are a ton of Pelicans home games, but it's an exciting time because the Saints are coming off a win. The Pelicans are getting things going. Things have been looking fun on the court, and it's just going to be about finding that consistency for them. Last night, um, just because it was the Pelicans' first loss of the season uh, to the Golden State Warriors, and it was a really tough loss because it was a blowout. Um, and it wasn't really expected that way after the Pelicans had started the season really strong on the defensive end in particular. Um, they were without Brandon Inger, but the, the Warriors were down a couple of players as well. From your perspective, where did things go wrong last night? I think it started with Brandon Ingram not being able to play. Although the Warriors were down people as well with Clay Thompson and Kaminga being out it does change things, especially at the timing that it happened, because it seemed like it was pretty close to game time. Jordan Hawkins mentioned that he was told 45 minutes before the game started that he would be starting. So that definitely throws a wrinkle into things. That being said, I think the team started very well. They looked like they were going to play fast. They were going to play connected. They were defending well, and they were playing the Warriors very close in that first half of play. They were getting a lot of stops, which was really helping them on the offensive end. Because if you look at the stats in the first half, they had 17 fast break points. So they were getting the stops and turning that into immediate dividends on the offensive side, rebounding and running. And they were right there in a two-point game at the half. Things just changed after the break. It really kind of spiraled there for the Pelicans. And that's, it's been tough. These third quarters have been tough for the Pelicans, whether it's not bringing the same effort, the same attention to detail. Willie Green said they just need to continue to trust each other, trust in the scheme and what they've been doing that's been working in the first half of play. There were a lot of tic-tac fouls that really didn't go the Pelicans way. That kind of messes up your momentum. I think it comes down to, in the end, the rebounding, and the disparity there, it's been a, a tough spot for the Pelicans to start the season. And then the free throw shooting, it, it's, you know, the game's out of hand. So you didn't really miss the fact that you weren't hitting those free throws in this game. But there are a lot of other games where free throws are going to be a huge factor and they're going to matter a lot down the stretch. So rebounding and free throws, definitely areas that I think that they need to get corrected. And then also trying to figure out what it is that causes that third quarter lull that they've had over the past couple of games. That's exactly what I was going to bring up because I thought in the first half, despite, you know, really, let's face it, you're missing two of your top four scores, right? Trey hasn't played in the game yet. 
no BI. And, you know, I don't think CJ was feeling 100%. From what I heard kind of behind the scenes, he might have been under the weather. So really, you're looking at maybe one of your top four scores in pristine shape. But yeah, the first quarter, rebounding wasn't an issue, right? I think both teams mm -hmm. were right there neck and neck. Things started getting away a little bit in the second uh, second quarter, right? CJ tried to get going offensively, but couldn't really find it. Zion, you know, was struggling to find his typical lanes. Golden State, I think people overlook this. They're one of the best teams at keeping opponents away from the restricted area, right? The Pelicans, that's always been their game plan, especially these last couple of seasons. But Golden State, they're even better than the Pelicans in terms of, like I said, keeping opponents away. So you kind of saw that with Zion, right? So for me, Aaron, I was wondering, where are you going to try and, I guess, create this offense, right? They tried in CJ's hands, Zion's hands, and they couldn't feel – I feel like they couldn't find that flow that we've, you know, basically seen at least through – most of the stretches in those first two games. So while, of course, yeah, you have that defensive lull, you give up 130 points. I thought it was the offense, in addition mm -hmm. to that rebounding, but the offense, right, and, and finding something that you could rely upon. So for me, my biggest question really is moving forward is, where do you think the Pelicans should look? So let's say, you know, hopefully Brandon Ingram's back, right? He's questionable to play tomorrow against the Thunder. But if he's not back, what do you expect to see maybe the Pelicans will try and do differently? than we saw from the Warriors game. Brandon's such a big part of this offense because I think he really is their best ball hander as far as facilitating goes, bringing the ball down the court. So that's where your offense gets going. Without having him, then as you mentioned, you're turning to CJ, Zion, anybody else that is going to be able to fill that role of the pseudo point guard. I know that's not what this team wants to really dictate people's positions because they like to remain fluid they've been going with that small lineup quite often with Zion at the five which in turn does hurt your rebounding so there are a lot of domino effects of playing that way the issue last night was it seemed like they just got really clogged up inside because the Warriors didn't have to respect the outside shot mm -hmm. as much the Pelicans just were not getting their shots from outside to fall and they shot almost 40 of them but for whatever reason, it just wasn't the night for CJ and Jordan Hawkins came in and hit a couple, but across the board, they did struggle from the outside. And I think that's going to be a huge part of this offense being successful. They talk about how important it is to have spacing, especially for Zion to work. And if you don't have to pull them, the defenders outside to the perimeter, then you're just not going to have that spacing and they're just going to sit in the basically around the paint and try to deny Zion from getting an easy look to the basket. On that note, Pelicans three point attempts are up about five per game over last year, but the makes have stayed the same at about 11 per game. And, and certainly, you know, I don't think BI missing last game is a big part of that because he has not been a mm -hmm. volume three point shooter. But what the thing that I have noticed is that during the preseason, the Pels got those corner threes and took more. Last night, they did not take advantage of the corner very much at all. The overwhelming majority of their threes were from above the line. And I think when you take more difficult shots, you know, that that really in turn, I think, did compromise some of the spacing. The offense, it was a lot harder to stay in the offense for them last night uh, than it had been in, in the first two games. 
I think that starts with the ball movement. They were trying to get into the offense too quickly and not getting set up and not getting to the corner and not moving the ball around, finding the best looks. It looked like they were really trying to trade threes with the Warriors there, and that's not a game that you want to get into. So they were, I think, quick on the trigger when it came to the threes, and that's why a lot of them were coming from the the top of the key instead of getting down to the corner, which is where they would really like for them to be. It has been a point of emphasis at practice. It's something they talked about all training camp. To your point about Brandon, they have also asked him, they want him to shoot more threes and less mid-range shots to continue to expand the floor and create more spacing. But if you're not running with your pace and not get into your spots, not moving the ball, then it doesn't matter whether you're hitting from outside or not because you're you're just not getting the best looks. You're not giving time for the offense to develop the way that it needs to. Yeah, so to get, before, I let, I'll, I'll, before I let you go, I do want to give Jordan Hawkins a lot of credit, though, for his first start. That's where I was going. <laughs> yeah, he came out and was, was, was particularly aggressive. He took good shots, I thought, and he rebounded. You know, five mm-hmm. boards at his position, he has shown – that he's willing to go grab rebounds on the inside whenever he's gotten minutes. So for a kid who only got the notice 45 minutes before, to only have played two years of college ball, and to get your start in the opposite Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors, I thought he played with confidence um, in, in that game, and I give him a lot of credit. There was so much I loved about Jordan Hawkins' game last night, the way he handled things, his post-game Yeah, he said that he's been in big time game situations that being in his first NBA game or getting his first NBA start is really cool, but he's been in moments like that. He knows how to handle those moments. And he said all he had to do was tell himself right before he took the court, like, hey, it's just another game. Like we've been here, we've done this. And so the maturity that he has, understanding the mentality that he needs to have going into these games and and not putting too much on it. I think he never really lets the moment get too big for him. He's very cool, calm, collected. We don't see a lot of emotion out of him. And I think that translates to his game as well. Mm-hmm. He's a smart player. He said he spent the entire week between preseason and regular season going through film, really analyzing his game in ways that he can improve because he knows the NBA is a different level than college and where he's been at and he's going to attack it the right way. Heck last night, he said he wanted to be able to come in for Herb Jones and, and not have any change in the the defensive quality there, which is a wild statement to make because of how good Herb Jones is, but he knows that that is an area that he needs to improve on. He was a little late in some, in some shifts and everything last night on the defensive end but he is going to work at it. And that's what I love about it. Um, and then the fact that he was able to play in his first or get his first start against the Warriors and Steph Curry, somebody that he watched growing up and really idolizes as far as his game. And it's just such a, a, a genuine moment for him to sit on the like baseline and mm-hmm. watch Steph Curry warm up and not be too prideful to say, Oh, I'm not going to go out there. But, but no, this is one of the best players in the league. If I have an opportunity to be in this on the same court as him and watch him do his warmups in person, why would I not do that? And why would I not try to glean something from that? I think that's smart. I don't think, and he said he didn't want to be a fanboy about it, but I think it's a very smart approach to the game. And I feel like that is what is going to make him continue to improve.
Aaron, I'm so glad you mentioned this and went into good detail about it. Because for me, Jordan Hawkins was not an all, right? It was obvious. Even when he was sitting on the baseline watching Steph, he was out there trying to learn, right? Mm -hmm. He was trying to pick up things that he could add. And he even talked about how he first, I think he said he watched Steph back in, I want to believe it was 2015, right? When mm -hmm. the Warriors first went in the playoffs. So ever since then, he's just been studying him. And I thought it really showed um, then in the, when the game began. He nailed a mid-range jumper, then he hit a three. So he was two for two. You already could tell that the moment wasn't too big for him. And then afterwards, you know what we learned? He didn't even call anybody beforehand to brag about he was starting, right? It just shows me, I think, all the reasons why all those intangibles, why the Pelicans selected him where they did in the draft, right? People mm -hmm. all talked about, we don't need to go through the scattering report. He's undersized. He's really maybe one dimensional. I honestly haven't seen a player that's one dimensional out there. For instance, there was a sequence yeah. in the game where he stopped Moses Moody alone, who's actually, I think, a very capable driver of the ball, short of the lane. Then he rotated over to help another teammate on another warrior that was driving baseline. They got the stop, sprinted down in transition, left um, down the left side of the court, hit a three. This guy knows how to play basketball. Now, Willie's been emphasizing it since training camp. And I think we've already gotten a really good dose of seeing that, I think, he could be a rookie that even when this team gets healthy, he can still help. He's a, he's not going to be the guy that's going to have a big learning curve to me. Not as big as I even thought. Yeah. It's funny because you mentioned him being undersized. Some of those rebounds that he was getting up for, though, he, he looked long. He looked mm -hmm. like he was getting up really high. So maybe he might be undersized for his position, but he's definitely putting forth the effort. And he did mm -hmm. mention that last night, too, when asked about, that third quarter lull about the rebounds. And he said, that is all about your effort and we got to bring it. And for him, not necessarily calling anybody out, but kind of there was an undertone to it. Like everybody's got to do this for us to be successful. And I think that it's just really cool for a rookie yeah, to, yeah. to have that voice. Yeah, it, the awareness, particularly in that issue, knowing that, this is not a team that has a ton of height. You know, this is not a very long Pelicans team. It has active guys. It has guys who can play multiple positions. But we've seen through three games, this is not a big team. So it it's going to rely on team rebounding. Everybody's got to be active in that uh, pursuit, including the guards. The Pelicans, from last year, this year, there's been a big drop-off in their rebounding, is that something that Willie Green is concerned about? And is it something that they're going to have to, that they've been focusing on? Um, because it's been a dramatic, dramatic difference last night in particular. Yeah. I mean, he addressed it last night. He addressed it Saturday night. Um, he talked about it at practice. Rebounding is about toughness is the word that he used. He said, we got to be tough. We got to compete. We got to battle inside and get those rebounds. Um, and in reference to the third quarter as well, we got to come out and play tough. We can't sit back at any point on our heels and think that the way we played in the first half is going to translate to the second half. It's going to take that effort. And, you know, it's easy to say that it's really hard to do for a, an entire game and for every single person to do that. It's a long season, but you can tell when somebody isn't necessarily bringing forth their full effort. And I know coach green will address that. Yeah. When you don't have BI and then you're without Trey, Najee, 
Larry's not 100% yet. I think that puts them even in a bigger hole, mm -hmm. right? And, and we've seen that, right? The Knicks, I think they out-rebound the Pels by, I think it was around 16. Last night, Warriors by 25. And a lot of people have been saying this Warriors team is maybe on the too small side, right, with Chris mm -hmm. Paul. But yet, obviously, we didn't see that, right? They grabbed 21 offensive rebounds. So for me, Aaron, I'm wondering actually how much can they do on that end to, you know, sh share, short things up? Because, you know, the help's not really coming, right, in terms of the extra guys that they're missing right now. So Willie mentioned it, like, for instance, today after practice. He says it's a trust thing. But for me, what I'm wondering is when your first inclination isn't to box out, then go and basically be a guy that's going to go grab the rebound consistently every time it goes up. I'm wondering how quickly, like, that mentality can change because it has to. But moving forward, I just have my doubts, right? That's where my biggest worry, I think, is okay. right now with this team. When what we talked to – yeah, we talked to Larry Nance, I think it was last week, and he said that they have a good mix of crashers and then people that are going to get back on defense. However, when you put in a smaller lineup, those mm -hmm. crashers aren't necessarily there anymore. So I think that's where – the communication needs to happen. The honest needs to be on different people to say, hey, Larry's not in the game. Jonas isn't in the game. BI's not here. We need to make sure that we have XYZ crashing the, the boards every time and looking for those boards and not falling into their usual role of being the people that are going to get back defensively. So I think it's still a little bit of them adjusting to the way they're playing offensively, defensively, and trying to get out in transition and, and learning what their roles are going to be in each of those situations. But Zion definitely, I mean, I, I think we would all agree Zion has to rebound a bit better. Um, you know, particularly you go through the first half with one board and, mm -hmm. and at home that, that just can't happen in particular. He's been so good on the offensive glass, you know, that, that part of extending um, offensive possessions has been so important for his career early on. I was surprised that he just did not get those. He did not create second chance opportunities for the Pels last night. I think for Zion that it's still a matter of getting physically conditioned to playing an entire game at the level that you need to play it at. He's only played what three games now mm. at, around the minutes that he probably will play. And I would argue that he's probably going to get more as the season goes on in each of these games. So I think it's for him, it's, it's going to come. It's just going to take a little bit of time for him to get back to the level that he, you know, expects of himself and will be the most beneficial for this team. Um, and Larry Nance too, he's still on a minutes restriction. So once that's, changed Najee Marshall is obviously an energy guy he's going to be somebody that's kind of running around and attacking there are some parts of this team right now that they're having to kind of work through not because there are any glaring injuries but because there have been some changes there are people in and out of the lineup Trey Murphy's going to change things immensely when he comes back in so it's kind of you're at a position where you're trying to execute and implement the offensive game plan, defensive game plan the way that you're supposed to, but you don't necessarily have all the pieces in the places that you will eventually for an entire game. Yeah, and since you brought up injuries, let's just dive right into that lovely topic that every Pelicans fan always loves to hear about. 
So we talked to Jose today, and it sounds mm -hmm. like he's honestly moving in the right direction. It sounds like that he's able to do more, experiencing less discomfort. So for him, it sounds like more it's now going to be about ramping up, right? Heard positive news about Najee Marshall. Mm -hmm. And then Brandon Ingram. I mean, that that's the biggest news, right? Had imaging done. We were a little frightened considering, you know, there was no warning sign and suddenly he doesn't play. But he's going to be questionable for tomorrow's game against Oklahoma City. So it sounds like the Pelicans probably aren't threatened with, you know, extended absences by some key guys. I think with Brandon, although it was unexpected in terms of he wasn't on the injury report earlier in the day, we didn't know that there was an injury or a possible discomfort there. Um, the fact that Coach Green said that there was going to be imaging done and kind of left it at that. Mm -hmm there's a lot of question marks there. But then when he addressed it after practice on Tuesday, he said that the images were done, doesn't look like anything serious, and then gave him the questionable designation, I think is positive that it doesn't seem like it's going to be anything more than that, more just kind of a rest precautionary, keeping him out of the game on Monday. However, we do have a back-to-back -back coming up, so I don't know if they will, A, play him in the first or the second, game in the back-to-back -back, but I you know they, they might be continuing to be cautious in that way and if so I don't think there's any reason to freak out about this being something more than it is um and it's so early in the season yeah. right like the fact that you know we won two games and everybody's like oh okay Zion's back BI's here CJ's here at the gangs this one's looking great we're winning games and then you lose one and somebody you know, tweak something and everybody's freaking out. And it's like, man, it's so early in the season and they're still working through a new offensive system. Mm -hmm. They're still without people, you know, I think people just need to make sure they're pumping the brakes. Cause I think, mm -hmm. you know, Hell's fans, yeah, they might have PTSD. I get it, but we're not there. We're definitely not there. <laughs> so this is a, a tough stretch coming up though. Um, you know, the Pelicans got a favorable schedule in the sense that, and Ali loves to point this out, the 10 of 15 at home. But this part, you're going to get a lot of road games in that quick burst. Uh, Oklahoma City, then you come back for uh, home games, um, two very difficult home games, and then you're back on the road next week, and you, and you got Denver. So you got, you know, uh, this stretch, I think it's going to be really important, not just for them. You know, we can, again, it's early in the season. We don't want to get carried away one way or the other. But against these types of teams, the teams that you're going to be competing against mm -hmm. playoff spots, the teams you're going to be compared to the teams that have skill sets that are, are going to be a challenge like a Detroit with their inside ability and Kate Cunningham, they're going to be a different kind of challenge. I think this is a really good week for the Pelicans to see a lot of different types of play and adjust and, and for them to grow in a short amount of time. If you look at the OKC game, that's a team that loves to play with pace. They do very well in transition. And then with SGA, he can get to the, the rack in a hurry. That's going to be a point of focus for the Pelicans. So Thunder, they're a team that plays with effort and energy and hustle. They have young guys on the team. The Pelicans have to match that. And more so than match that, you know, they have to, because they're going to be the road team, probably bring a little bit more energy into this one. And hopefully they will coming off of a, a lackluster second half performance on Monday. And then, Luckily, the second half of the back-to-back -back is back at home. So maybe you do get a boost from, from your home crowd in that one. Um, 
it, it's going to be it's going to be tough regardless of if you have Brandon Ingram available or not. You got to get the three point shooting going a little bit. You got to continue to keep the turnovers down, which has been a really good area for them. Um, and then, like we said, just got to bring that effort energy to get the boards um, and then work on your free throws. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah Aaron, we, we kind of know what to expect right from OKC. Just going back to the last play in game. Right, mm -hmm. how many second chance points they got due to that energy, and we know right Shea, he's obviously the focal point for every opposing scouting report. Herb Jones has usually drawn that assignment, done a reasonably to a good job. So we know all those things. What I'm curious about is how does Shet Holmgren going to change things up? Right, yeah. I know we should expect that shot blocking presence, but what do you think? What is th that extra dimension for OKC? What kind of problems is that going to present for uh, Willie Green? It's a lot of length for sure. That's going to cause a problem, but he's, he's very good. I remember watching San Antonio and OKC play earlier this year, a preseason game, or maybe, I don't even know. Mm -hmm. I don't remember at this point, but um, <laughs> it was really, really fun to watch Wemby and Chet play each other. And at times you're like, yeah, I don't know who the better player is here because mm -hmm. Chet was doing some pretty impressive things. It's going to be an added wrinkle and, Coach Green always talks about, you know, just defense and your physicality and imposing yourself and getting players out of their rhythm. And I think that that's something that you can do with, with him um, and SGA, obviously, if you can limit him in that regard, then I think that helps a lot, but he is, it's going to be interesting. He's definitely a different dynamic to the Thunder team now. The thing I do like, though, about this team is that I think one of the concerns was that the defensive effort from last year, them being a top five, top six defense last year, would that carry over? The commitment is still there. Mm -hmm. Like, there are some things that they need to work on clearly. But this is still a top 10 defense right now, um, one of the best in the league. And the offense, though, right now it's probably lower third, I think, in the NBA that has to only get better. I can't, you know, it's not going to get worse as the season goes along. So I think there certainly this team has the room for growth. Uh, the one area is though, is I, I think at some point, David Griffin is going to have to deal with the length and maybe bring in, if it's not somebody from the G League, but I'll, I'll externally, at some point, I think this team is going to have to get a little bit taller. Yeah, it's Oh, interesting thing right now in the NBA, because so many teams are leaning towards having more perimeter players or people that can be threats from outside and more athletic bigs. So it's it's a toss up of do you lean into that? Do you make some changes that would help in that regard? Or do you stick with, you know, a traditional center and play some smaller lineups at times to make up for some of the athleticism? I don't know. I don't have to make that decision. That is above my pay grade. <laughs> but, it, you know, we'll see how things, because I think that Trey adds some length when he comes back. You know, so we'll see what this team is like when they are at full strength before I think any mm -hmm. decisions are made. And that's, this team was designed to be healthy. It was designed to, look and work a certain way at full strength and they really do believe in this team when it is at full strength um we've seen what it can be for a brief stint last year and then you throw in jordan hawkins add him into the mix and i don't, I don't know if the length is going to be as big of an issue 
Um, once you get Trey back and you start to solidify some of just the offensive threats with their ability to shoot. Golly, any final questions? No, not really. I just hope that if Brandon Ingram gets back on the court, um, I hope it's soon just because we all want to see it. But also, even though the offense right overall, the team is struggling, those three guys have played largely really well, right, mm -hmm. since the start of the season. And you can't overlook this simple fact. They've played 12 games together. The Pelicans, they're eight and four when all three of those guys have been out there. So I think that's probably the biggest reason why you just want to see Brandon get back out there. Yeah, it's been fun to watch all three of them out there. And it's been brief, but Zion Williamson just seems like he's got a little extra mm -hmm. chip on his shoulder for something behind what he wants to accomplish this season. And I think it's a great mentality for him to have. And before we like close this out, I, cause it's Halloween week weekend. I just have to give a shout out to Trey Murphy because his costume wearing the ref <laughs> outfit was just so silly, but so, so Trey. And he actually asked the head of officiating if that was okay to do. I mean, he really went for it. He cleared it, made sure. And they said, as long as you're not interfering with things, you're not blowing a whistle, you're making calls. But at times he was standing up during the game and it just, it looked fun. It looked like he was making a call just because of his gestures and stuff. And there were some <laughs> funny inter interchanges between or interactions between players on the court and, and Trey on the bench. And I don't know. I, I kind of blame Trey for the second half because he changed out of the costume at halftime. And that's when the officiating went yes. to right. But no yeah, longer accountable. Yeah, Jose called it almost, I think he used the word genius or something along those lines mm -hmm. to describe it, right? Um, I don't know if you saw it, David, but Jose, right? Character from Saw. Um, but And everybody loved that. But he, he really talked up Trey's decision, right? To come on that ref uniform yeah that i like it so too. funny yeah but that's well, like, honestly we are huge trey murphy fans like mm -hmm. there is and and this is not to, to kiss his behind or anything i just honestly he has all the things you look for where we were like we've talked about this in our group chat as a potential when you talk about a guy who could be a face of your franchise mm -hmm. he gets all of the stuff he interacts with his teammates at every level. He's, you know, he's like the guy at school who can talk to every lunch table. You know what I mean? He's, he's, he's in the gifted yeah. classes, but he still hangs out with the jocks and he's still got friends over here. Everybody knows Trey. Everybody likes Trey, but at the same time, he is an incredible competitor mm -hmm. and he wants to win. And so he's got all those intangibles that you do seek when you want somebody to be like who's going to help lead your team to wins and he just feels like a winner like when you're around him you feel an energy that makes you like this guy wherever he's going i'd like to go there it mm -hmm. seems like that's going to be a good place and i, I mean that's sincerely just being yeah. around trey it's just, watching him his work ethic everything it's all of that goes into that and i just you just it just seems like his future is just ridiculously bright Chemistry is something that came up surrounding this team the past week. And I think that's wild <laughs> to think that they don't have chemistry because I see it every day in practice. But one of the things that always has stood out to me is that when these players are injured, they don't want to get back because they, they want to play for their personal gain. 
they want to get back because they want to help the team win and they care about their teammates and they want to be a part of it. And they have so much fun playing together. So Trey, Najee, Jose, Larry, when he was out, I mean, they are standing on the sidelines trying to get into practice if somebody would let them just to kind of be a part of it and talking to players and they're, they're very involved even though they can't be playing. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is huge and it speaks volumes for just the camaraderie that is on this team and how much they do care for each other. One thing I want to add real quick, since we did bring up Trey, he's (laughs) progressing guys since the start of training camp where he was taking standstill jump shots, not getting any kind of lift, saw him today. And he's actually kind of racing down now from about the half court line, shooting pull-up threes. Tell you what, in just what was it about four weeks time right we've seen him make that kind of progression i'm very hopeful right that he's going to stick to that time frame original time frame of 10 to 12 weeks so that's something definitely to look forward to yeah yes. original time confident. frame right would be end of this month early yeah. december so yeah. we're, we're almost there really mm-hmm. and he's been very confident about just how he feels and that's a good thing it's like he's 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 confident about where he is but he's also still going along with the process like you say, he's pushing it like any you want your athlete to push it as much as you can but he he i think he, he fully believes in the process of the timetable to get himself back and he's confident in it and that mental hurdle i think is the biggest thing and it when you just you're again it just seems like he's already over that part of like the fear that i need to be back on the court he's just waiting for the the, the approval yeah yeah i mean there was an obvious disappointment when it happened and you kind of got to get past that and say, okay, well, this is what I have to do. And he's been committed to that process. And man, he's been putting in the miles on that bike. I, I tell you, I see it every, all the time. So He's worn out all the <laughs> basketballs in the gym too. I mean, I'm not kidding you. He's always there shooting. Yeah. So uh, Aaron, just before we let you go, just final. I mean, this, is, this has been an encouraging start. I think as we look at the Pelicans, and as you said, we're waiting to see what this team looks like whole. But the things that we were really concerned about in the preseason, most of those have not been concerns so far in the regular season. And uh, I think it, it, Pelican pa- fans, I, like you said, I understand PTSD, and I am most cautious when it comes to this team. But I think there is definitely reason for optimism at this stage. And folks just need to to hang on and be a little bit patient. Yeah, I think, as you said earlier, the defense can continue to be at least what it was last year and looks like it can continue to even improve this season Mm -hmm. and the offense, which was the area that they went out to address in the off season um, will only be bolstered with the addition of Trey back and Mm -hmm. Brandon V and and TJ get more time together. So I have a lot of optimism for what's ahead. Get your rest. I know you're going to be busy over the next several days. So uh, hang in there. And um, thank you so much. We always appreciate it when you join us. Thank you, Aaron. Absolutely. Yeah, great to talk to you guys. Love it. All right. For Aaron Summers and Ali Koso, I am David Grubb. Make sure you click the like, subscribe button, and check us out each and every week right here on the Bird Calls. In the words of our good friend, Preston Ellis, let's go, Pelos.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.